0: How many understand that the Word of God is inspired and that there were times when God inspired me to write things in the Bible that they didn't understand? There were a lot of times when the writers penned the words and yet they didn't really understand what they were writing, but they wrote them because they were under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not coming to you tonight and tell you that my words are inspired. And uh, by the way, you should be leery of anybody who does tell you that. Um, But I would say this there are times when pastors preach things and they're not exactly sure why they preach those things. I have, uh, God's been so gracious here lately. He's been giving me some wonderful, wonderful truths in my Bible study that I can't wait to share with you. Uh, And I had some other things that I'd been working on, God had been dealing with my heart about some other messages. But that's not, what, that's not the direction God wanted me to go tonight. And so I'm a little, I've got mixed emotions about what I'm going to give you tonight. There's just a couple things that I'll bring tonight that I'll be honest with you, a little bit controversial, and, um, but I believe this is the direction God wants us to go tonight. And so I'm, going to, I'm just going to try to honor the Lord and, uh, and uh, we're just going to trust Him and, 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 and see uh, what happens. Uh, I'm not your chief shepherd, I'm just your under-shepherd tonight. But I do believe that there are times when the Spirit of God gives the under-shepherd some things that the that the flock needs. And the under-shepherd doesn't always know why he's giving it. But the chief shepherd knows. And so, well, that's all that matters, isn't it? And so, I will tell you this, I have prayed and I've sought God's face and asked God to show me what he wanted me to give to you tonight, and this seems to be the direction that we're going to go. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in your Bibles, and uh, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to use our Bibles a little bit tonight, so hold your Bibles open after we're seated, if you will, because we're going to flip back and forth a little bit tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, and look at verse number 14 tonight. And we're going to read down through verse number 17. Paul says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many teachers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, Paul said, I beseech ye, be ye followers of of me now. That's our text tonight, uh, verse number sixteen. Wherefore I beseech you, Paul said, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church, and you may be seated tonight and. and I wasn't, wasn't exactly sure what to title this tonight, so I'm just going to call it this, Stay Faithful to Your Roots. Stay faithful to To your roots, so follow me. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into this Bible study tonight. And I want you to really follow me. I think this is amazing. This first little introduction that we're going to give you—it's just amazing to me. The Bible's always the Bible's amazing to me, anyway. But uh, I hope it'll make sense to you. And so let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into this tonight. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be here this evening at Calvary, and Lord, thank you for the uh, for sending some of our wonderful. Wonderful missionaries to us tonight, and we're so glad we get to support uh, great people like the shoemates, and we're thankful for what they're doing for the cause of Christ. And then, Lord, thank you for all of our missionaries and for letting us come around the altar and pray for them this evening. And uh, Lord, we just appreciate every song, we appreciate every handshake, we appreciate the fellowship. God, everything that's been done tonight—the special number that Maddie just uh, did for us—and uh, Lord, I'm, I'm glad you know our name, and, and I'm glad you know what we need tonight as a church, and you know what I need as a pastor, and uh, Lord, so tonight, I pray that you'll breathe on us, and I pray that you'll minister to us, and Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll use, uh, Lord, the words that, 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 that you've given to me tonight to be a blessing and a help uh, to your people this evening. Save the lost, encourage the saved, edify the saints and I pray that we'll go away from this place in just a few minutes, better Christians than we were when we entered a little earlier. Father, we ask you for your power. We ask you for your Holy Spirit help now. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. We notice here that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And early in this letter, and we're, we're, we just read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Uh, And so we're early in this letter. But early in this letter, we find that Paul, the apostle, spends verse after verse after verse warning the Corinthian people about lifting up men, and especially specific teachers. Now, what was going on here? There's nothing wrong with being a blessing to somebody, but what was going on, it was almost getting to uh, to a place where they were exalting these teachers, almost to a place of worship. In fact, I want to show you that if I could tonight. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians. Turn back a page and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 3 and look at verse number 3. And Paul says to the church, and boy, it's pretty bold. He's pretty frank here. And verse number 3, Paul says to the church, For you ye are yet carnal. You're carnal. I mean, he's, he's not pulling any punches here. He's just telling them like it is. And he says, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? In verse 4, he says, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal, Paul said. In other words, there was division in the church. And there were some that were siding with Paul and there were others that were siding with Apollos and neither one of these guys wanted people siding with them. Uh, but but they, they had favorite teachers in the church and they were uh, loyal to this teacher and they were, they were basically they were saying, listen, if you're not in Paul's crowd, you're not in the will of God. And then others are saying, if you're not in Apollos' crowd, you're not in the will of God. And Paul writes to them and says, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are exalting a man above where he needs to be. Paul reminds the church that these men are just ministers of the Lord, that God provides for all men. Look again at your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 5. How many of you are too cool tonight? Too cool. All right, Ricky, bump it up just a little bit. And the reason I'm saying this is because I don't want you to be distracted. Because the devil will use anything he can to distract you from truth tonight, and I do not want you to be distracted from truth this evening because I'm gonna give you some truths gonna help you tonight. Now look at verse number five. Paul says in verse number five, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Then we notice this, Calvary. We notice that Paul goes on to reprimand the church because they're placing too much emphasis upon a certain teacher. Uh, look again, chapter number three, and look at verse number 20. Paul says, and again, Boy, he's he's hitting it again here. And again, verse 20, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. God uh, God gives all of these teachers to you as a gift. And so you don't have to, Uh, You know, you don't have to focus on one necessarily. Now look down, uh, 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 flip over again, if you would, to to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and look at verse number 6. And again, we're seeing this message over and over again. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 6, and these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, uh, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another, in other words, some of you are saying, well, you know what, we're in, we're in Apollos' class and we're not going anywhere except where Apollos is teaching. And others were over here with Cephas and they were saying, well, uh, you know what, if you're not in the Cephas circle or you're not, if you're not in the, in the Cephas camp, well, you're out of the will of God. By the way, that's still going on today just in case you're wondering. And uh, uh, at Calvary Baptist Church, we don't run in circles. If you run in circles, you get dizzy, amen. And we don't run in circles, and we don't run. We don't worry about camps. And uh, there are some preachers who take issue with me on that, and that's okay. Uh, I'm not in a certain camp. I'm in Jesus' camp. That's the camp I want to I be in. But that's what was going on. And so Paul writes verse after verse after verse, and I'm going to be honest, really he rebukes the church. I mean, he's really preaching to them pretty sternly here. And he says, listen, church, you are carnal because you're just focusing on one man and you're exalting that man above where he needs to be. Now, stay with me, church. But then we notice something. Then after all of this compelling warning, verse after verse after verse, Paul says, don't focus on a man. Don't focus on a man. Paul turns right around and says to the church, follow me. Now they're fussing about Apollos and Cephas and Paul and so Paul comes to the church and says, whoa, time out. Quit focusing on a certain teacher so much and then Paul turns right around and he says, hey church, whatever you do, follow me. Whatever you do, Follow me. Look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 16. After Paul has taught all these things that I just told you, he says in verse number 16, Wherefore I beseech you. Now you look up that word beseech, and it's, it's a word that means beg, basically. And Paul says, Wherefore, church, I beseech you, I beg you, be ye followers of me. Not only that, but Paul announces to the church that he's getting ready to send Timothy. And he says, church, I'm going to send Timothy, and Timothy's going to come so he can teach my teachings. He's not going to give you Timothy's teachings. He's going to give you my teachings. Look at it, if you will. Uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 17. He says, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. Look at this. Who shall bring you into remembrance of what? Of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere and in every church. Now, I'm gonna be honest. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter three and you read 1 Corinthians chapter four, if you're not careful, it's a little confusing. And it almost seems like an oxymoron. Paul is saying, don't place too much emphasis on men. And then he turns right around and he says, whatever you do, follow me. Now, somebody says, whoa, what's the deal? What, what what's this all about? Let me tell you why Paul is saying that. Because Paul was their father in the faith. He was the one that had led them to Jesus Christ. He was the teacher. Now, now think about it. Originally, Paul was the teacher that began, the Lord began using to expose these people to real unadulterated truth. And so they're listening to all these other teachers, and Paul says, listen, don't exalt a man above what you should, but at the same time, whatever you do, follow me. Why? Because I'm your spiritual father. Now, again, I don't want you just to believe because I'm preaching, and I want you to see it. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. Paul says in verse 14, I write not these things to shame you. Look at this next line. But as my beloved sons. Now, were they his physical sons? No. But they were his spiritual sons. But as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, Paul said, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech ye, be ye followers of me. Now, church, I don't know if you know this or not, but, I, but Paul is teaching us a great lesson here, a great lesson, and here's the lesson. There's nothing wrong with branching out there's nothing wrong with you listening to other men there's nothing wrong with you listening to other teachers there's nothing wrong with you listening to uh to 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 other orators but this is what paul is saying at the end of the day stay faithful to your roots stay with that which is tried and proven that's what paul is saying uh, you're listening to this preacher you're listening to this preacher you're listening to this speaker and Paul says I'm not I'm not preaching against that although he said you should not exalt those men above where you need to they're they're just men that God is using to give you truth but then Paul says whatever you do whatever you do be ye at the end of the day when it's all said and done be ye therefore followers of me be open to other teaching, but Paul is saying this at the end of the day, come back home. Come back home to what you know is truth. Now, I want to give you tonight three applications, and I know that some of these might be a little controversial, And uh, but let me tell you how the Lord spoke to my heart when I read this the other day. So Paul is saying, stay faithful to your roots. Now, let me say several things here tonight. How about this? Number one is this. Read other books, but come back to the King James Bible. Now, I'm not against, here's the thing. And I know there there are some preachers who would take great issue with me on what I'm getting ready to say. I'm not against you reading and gleaning from some other books that use various translations of the Bible. Uh, I, I do that somebody said, you can't throw the baby out with the wash. And so if I'm reading a book and this guy's using other translations, you know what? I just eat the fish and spit out the bones. And I glean from that truth, from that book, what I can. And so I'm not preaching against that necessarily tonight, but I am saying this, when it's all said and done, come back to the word of God. That's what I'm saying. Come back to the one that's tried and proven. Now, Uh, And again, I I understand not everybody agrees on this and we've got a lot of young, young Christians in here tonight and and they don't even know the difference between a King James Bible and a NIV and a NASV and, and and all of that and so let me just help some of these younger Christians tonight that have just recently been saved. Somebody says, Pastor, which Bible do you use? And I use, of course, I use the King James Bible. That's the Bible that I use. Now, let me just tell you, and this is a whole different study, and I'm not gonna stay here very long, but, but let me tell you some reasons why I Uh, use the King James Bible uh, personally how about this we know the King James Bible was translated during an era when the English English language was in its absolute purest form it's no accident that God had the King James Bible translated when he did And English scholars will tell you, you don't have to take my word for this, you can check it out for yourself, but they will tell you that the English language was at a time when it was in its absolute purest form. We have today in our language, uh, today we have so much slang and so much, uh, uh, the, the words that we use, and that's not how it was when the King James Bible was translated. Tell you something else. We know the King James Bible was used in most of the greatest revivals around the world. We know that some of, the, some of God's most anointed servants used the King James Bible as they preached. And God used those times to breathe revival in our land. I'm talking about men like the evangelist Billy Sunday. I'm talking about men like the great evangelist D.L. Moody. I'm talking about men even like John Wesley. And even Billy Graham used the King James Bible in his preaching. And so I'm just saying this, if you use a book or read a book and it's got other versions in it and things like that, I'm not going to preach against that tonight, but I am saying this at the end of the day, come home, come home, come back to what you know is tried and proven. Now, let me tell you another reason that I use the King James Bible and and the reason that as a church, pretty much, we use the King James Bible at Calvary Baptist Church because it guards against confusion. It guards against confusion. Confusion. And you've heard my stories. My wife and I visited a church one time, and man, we didn't know what we were getting into. And we went to the Sunday school, the the, the Sunday school hour, and, and man, we were visitors. I mean, we didn't belong there. We just... Uh, and we really didn't belong there in, in more than one way. And, uh, uh, and we went to the Sunday school class, and the teacher got up, and he started reading out of one version, and, and somebody spoke up in the class and said, my Bible don't say that. My Bible says this. And then somebody else spoke up and said, well, my Bible don't say any one of those things. My Bible says this. And then somebody else spoke up, and before we knew it, man, they were sort of going back and forth. And uh, to be quite honest, we wish we'd never been in there. You know what was going on? Confusion. Did you know the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion? And so this is all I'm preaching and I believe this is what Paul was preaching to the Corinthian church is at the end of the day, come back to that which is tried and proven. Come back to that which you know is truth. Now church, let me just warn you about something. Be careful not to get swept up into the translation flood. Uh, The truth of the matter is, pretty much there's a new translation coming out every month now. Every month. Every month. And somebody says, Pastor, why is that? Let me tell you why that is. Because the Bible, to this day, is still the best-selling book in the world. Now, if you look in the front of your King James Bible, there's no copyright. You can copy it all day long and all night long, and nobody's going to take you to court because there's no copyright. These various translations that are coming out are not like that. And if you photocopy those translations, you are in, you are in, in a possibility of, of, of uh, getting in trouble with the law. And so we listen to me. We know something. We know that God promised to preserve His word. Now we're going to this last thing we're going to get to this, this next point, but I want you to turn over to Psalm chapter 12 tonight, Psalm chapter 12, and look at verse number six with me, if you will. Psalm chapter 12 and verse number six and uh, notice what the Bible tells us about the Bible. Psalm chapter 12, and look, if you will, at verse number 6. The Bible says the words of the Lord, verse six, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, I'm just saying this, Calvary, that's a promise of Almighty God. God promised that he would preserve his word. Somebody says, Pastor, aren't you worried that maybe there's imperfections in there and there's contradictions in there? Uh, Aren't you worried that it's full of mistakes uh, and problems? And I want to say, I'm not worried about it because my God promised that he would preserve his word from that generation to this generation. And how many know tonight that God can carry through with what he promises to carry through with? And so, this is what I'm saying. Read other books, but come back to the word of God. Tell you something else. Visit other churches, but stay faithful to your church. So I'm not gonna get up here tonight and and preach against you visiting other churches. Well, that would be crazy. There are, listen, there's a lot of good churches out there. And I'm not against you going to revivals and special meetings and conferences and, and getting involved in those meetings and all those kind of things. But this is what I'm saying. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't be a continuous church hopper. Don't be a church hopper. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but, but, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. By the way, I'm not picking on you. I know preachers like that. I know preachers that can't stay anywhere for any time at all. They just hop from church to church to church. I mean, they go somewhere and they pastor for six months, and then they go somewhere else and pastor for six months, and they go somewhere else. And uh, and I, I just I remember this. I remember that Dr. Ray Young. I spoke with Brother Young this week, and I, and I remember Dr. Ray Young said this. He said, "Find where God wants you and grow deep roots. Find where God wants you and grow deep roots, and then bloom where you're planted." Now, that's what I'm talking about. Now, again, we're gonna touch on something a little controversial tonight. But I believe the Lord, I believe this is the direction God wants us to go. And so I wanna help us tonight. I wanna help the church with something that I believe the enemy can use in your life as a snare if you're not careful, especially in a growing church. So somebody says, preacher, Calvary is a growing church that has plenty of workers. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to a church that doesn't have many workers. And we're going to help that church. I'm not preaching against that tonight. If God Almighty comes to you and says beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is the will of God for you to leave this church. Listen, Brother Zach and Miss Amber, we never wanted to lose Zach and Amber at this church. Zach was our youth pastor, I had served as our youth pastor for seven years. Uh, Amber was just a dedicated, dedicated member here at Calvary and by his side. And, and I was, to this day, I remember the day when he walked into my office, uh, three months after we had got back from California, he walked into my office and had a serious look on his face. And he said, Dad, and I knew something was up. And he said, Dad, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants me to go to California and plant a church. And I just took a deep breath, and I said, all right, let's get to it. Did it hurt? Like the dickens. Does it still hurt? Like the dickens. And so I'm not not coming to you tonight and saying that if God comes to you and tells you to to, to go somewhere, I'm not going to discourage you from that. But, But I want you to hear me out tonight. I want you to be very, very careful because we have experienced some absolute disasters because of this mentality. People who left this church where God had planted them to help a struggling work, and by the way, they didn't do it out of, they did it out of the goodness of their heart, but it ended up disastrous. Now, I want to say several things here quickly. Number one is this, there may be a reason that church doesn't have many workers. Did you know there's a reason that one restaurant is packed and jammed and right across the road the other restaurant is empty? Did you know that that most of the restaurants, most of the restaurants that my wife and I usually enjoy, most always have a wait? Usually. You know why they have a wait? Because we know several things are going to happen when we walk in this restaurant. Number one, we know it's going to be clean. It is going to be clean. I'm not eating in a dirty restaurant. We know something else. We know the service is going to be good, and it's pretty much always the same. We know something else. We know the food is always going to be delicious, and we know that we know. I know something else. Not her. I know something else. They're, they give generous portions. Amen. I don't want to go somewhere where you're going to give me a, 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 a stalk of celery and, uh, and, a, and a dab of sour cream. Hang that, brother. I, give me some meat to eat. Amen. And, uh, and, and listen, we go to those restaurants because we know some things are going to happen. I'm going to be honest with you tonight, church. My wife and I would rather go home and eat at home if we know we're going to go somewhere and get absolute terrible service. Did you know the truth of the matter is that there are some churches that are empty because they want to be empty? Well, preacher, we feel it in the will of God. And by the way, nobody's come to me. Not one solitary person has come to me and told me this. That's why I'm wondering about what I'm preaching tonight. And so somebody comes and says, Preacher, we're leaving Calvary and going to this little church over here in the holler. I mean, they don't have, you know, they don't have, uh, you know, $6.95 Six ninety five in their offering, and uh, can't keep a preacher, and and uh, we're going to go over and help them. And I'm going to tell you something. You better be careful. There might be a reason that church doesn't have but six dollars and ninety five cents in their offering, and there might be a reason it doesn't have any workers. To be quite honest with you, there are a lot of churches that aren't hitting on a whole lot, and one of the reasons they're not hitting on a whole lot because they're unfriendly. They don't welcome everybody in. And by the way, just in case anybody's wondering, we haven't changed our philosophy on that. Everybody's still welcome at Calvary. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. Do I need to say that one again? Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. Doesn't matter how big your bank account is or how small your bank account is or you don't have a bank account you keep your money in the mattress. It doesn't matter. Everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. But I would tell you this not every church is like that. There are some churches that aren't hitting on a whole lot because they have very little vision. Some are worldly, many are family controlled. Many out there today want a preacher, not a pastor. They want some little puppet that will come into their congregation and preach a 22-minute sermonette to the church members on Sunday morning. They don't have Sunday night because the church said they can't have Sunday night. And he doesn't do anything that, that the church says they can't, that he can't do. And so he comes in on Sunday morning, preaches a 22-minute sermonette uh, on a Sunday morning, and uh, and he doesn't have anything else to do in the church, and that's the way they like it. They like this little guy; they can sort of dangle on the string. On the string, and he just sort of comes in and gives them a good, good little, good little sermon. And boy, amen, we feel so much better about ourselves now uh, since we've heard this little uh, little sermonette. Uh, and my dear friend, God does not bless that kind of ministry. Churches aren't hitting on a whole lot, wow, because biblical authority is not practiced. Biblical authority. Listen, if it says in the book, that's what we're going to do. Or if it says in the book, it's what we're not going to do. Boy, it' controversial. Preacher, when are we going to start marrying homosexuals at Calvary? Let me tell you when. Never. You say, Pastor, you be careful. They might shut you down. They might shut us down. But by the grace of God, we're standing on truth. We're, but, but, but churches are struggling because biblical authority is not practiced. I want to say something else. You should never move unless God moves you. And I want you to take your Bibles with me. Not turn to Acts 16. I know it's 838, and we're going to be done here in just a few minutes, but I want you to, boy, hear me out tonight, church. I believe God's given us a message, and I don't know who it is that needs to hear this tonight. Acts chapter number 16. And let me show you some, man, some amazing, amazing scripture tonight. Acts 16. And look at verse number 5 tonight. Acts 16, Acts 16, verse number 5. Verse 5 says, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now look at verse 6. Now. When they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia. Look at this next line. Interesting. The Bible says, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Anybody believe that people in Asia need the Lord? But did you see what the Bible says? The Holy Ghost came and said, Paul, I know you want to go there. You're not going right now. And the Spirit of God forbade them. You go, look verse 7. The Bible says after they were come to Mycenae, they assayed. They assayed. They wanted to. They, they endeavored. They planned. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but, hmm. but the Spirit suffered them not. And church, this is all I'm saying. If you came to me like Brother Zach, uh, Miss Amber, and you said, Preacher, we know beyond a shadow of, we know beyond a shadow of that it is the will of God. We're moving down to Port Elizabeth, South Africa to help the Burgie family. And we know it's the will of God. You'll have no opposition from this pastor. In fact, not only will you not have opposition, we'll help you. But I want to tell you something. You better make sure God moves you. Because if you move on a whim... Or you move just because you feel like, well, this church is blessed and we got plenty of workers, and and so you know, I think we're just going to go somewhere where there's nothing happening, my dear friend. You, I love you tonight, but you better be careful about taking your wife down to a place like that and taking your teenagers down to a place like that and exposing your children to, to a ministry like that. Oh, you better be careful. It's been quite a few years ago now. We had a family that came to me, and they said, preacher. We believe God's moving us to another church. And I'm going to be honest with you, this church was going to be far different from what they were used to at Calvary. Far different. And they said, preacher, we feel like God's moving us to this other church. And I'll be honest with you, church, I'm, just, I'm a real agreeable kind of guy. I don't, usually, I don't butt heads with people. And I didn't butt heads with these folks, but I said to them, I'm having a hard time Believing that's the will of God. And I told this family, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to be mad at you if you make a decision. I'm not going to be mad at you. We're still going to be great friends. But I just don't think I can put my blessing on your move. Well, they moved anyway. And church, I cannot explain to you The disaster that ensued, it'd blow your mind. Family not even together anymore. Marriage not together anymore. Just a mess. Oh, listen to me. This is what I'm saying. You be careful. When you go somewhere, you make sure God moves you. And I'm going to say something else. If you really have a desire to be used at this church, if you'll keep the right attitude and be dedicated, God will give you more opportunity and more responsibility. Yes, a preacher, I've been serving for six months and God hadn't put me on a board yet. Well, the Bible says lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of another man's, or, uh, another man's sins. Uh, and so we, we don't make, you know, we don't make decisions real, real fast at Calvary Baptist Church. We're pretty slow. But if you're here tonight and you say, preacher, I want to be used, let me tell you what you do. You keep a sweet spirit and just stay dedicated to the services, and you jump in there and serve where you can serve, and I'll make you a promise that as you stay dedicated and plugged in, God will plug you in more. And by the way, he might get you to the place where you're so plugged in. You wish you wasn't so plugged in anymore. Matthew 25, 23 says it like this. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. So you know what the Bible's saying there? You just be faithful over the few and then God can exalt you to the many. Amen. And so number one, read other books but come back to the word of God. Number two, visit other churches but stay faithful to church. We're done tonight. We're gonna have to be done. It's late. Number three, be willing to help in other ministries but stay faithful to your ministry. Hey, listen, church, have a ministry that you call your ministry. Have a ministry that you feel personally responsible for. And you feel like if you don't show up, that ministry is not gonna be what it's supposed to be. And by the way, that's true. If you don't show up, it won't be what it's supposed to be. Because God uses your contribution as a big part of the church. James chapter three, verse one says it like this. My brethren, be not many masters. In other words, don't do don't don't desire to be doing something that God hasn't called you to do. You know what our Bible's saying there? You serve in the area God has gifted you in and then stay in your lane. Is everybody with me tonight? Hey, you figure out where God has gifted you and just jump in there and serve and stay in your lane. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. First Corinthians 12, four. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And so we're done, but listen to me. You, you can, I think you can close your Bibles. I don't think we're going anywhere else tonight. But let me close with a few important statements. What are you talking about, preacher? Listen, let's be practical tonight. If you can't carry a tune, God probably hasn't called you to the choir ministry. Okay? I mean, if you sing and the dogs start howling, I'm not being unkind tonight. I'm just saying that there are some people who can really sing like everything, and there's others who just who just have to make a joyful noise. Amen. And, and uh, I just can't carry a tune in a bucket. If God hasn't gifted you with with a voice where you can hold a, a melody and hold a tune, then God probably hasn't called you to sing in the choir. Listen, if people are bored out of their gourd while you teach, that may not be your gifting. You know, did you know tonight, church, it could be that you're really, really good at praying with somebody at the altar. That's your gift. We say, preacher, that's not important. Pretty important to them. It could be that God has given you the gift of hospitality, and he has. He's given some of our folks that gift. He's given some of our folks that gift a lot more than me. I'm telling you, it is an amazing thing just to stand back on Sunday morning and watch our people roll. It is amazing. To see our ladies as they're meeting and greeting and welcoming and see some of our men that are in their places and welcoming people. You know why? That's their gift. And by the way, by the way, if they weren't there, this ministry wouldn't be the ministry that it is. It may be that God has given you attention to detail concerning cleaning or decorating, making sure the house of God is, is kept. It could be that, you're, that, that God uses you around youth or, or, or young children, and that's your gift. Then this is what I'm saying uh, man, get in there and serve, and don't worry about what you can't do. Let me give you some for instances. Miss Harriet is right down here tonight. Miss Letty is over here. And I don't know if Miss Bobby's here tonight. But, and by the way, there are others. But I just thought about these several ladies. These ladies have a gift at arranging flowers. I mean, listen. They just know how to do it. All this stuff's been handmade. They just know how to do it. Now, you say, Pastor, is that your gift? That is not my gift. That is not my gift. And I'm going to be honest with you if I try to get involved in that ministry, the appearance up here wouldn't be near as good. You know why? Because I'm not gifted there, but I'm trying to sort of push myself into that ministry. And so here Miss Harriet is, or Miss Letty, or Miss Bobby, and boy, they're arranging. Listen, what kind of fool am I if I come over there and try to start micromanaging what they're doing and say, you know, I don't think that flower ought to be there, and I don't think that ought to be there. And uh, listen, I'm just telling you, they're gifted in that area, but I'm not. Is anybody following me tonight? By the way, did you know that what I'm preaching and teaching on tonight is what's causing divisions all across America in churches just like ours? I see Miss Sandra back here. I see Miss Sue over here. By the way, there are others. These ladies don't have a green thumb, they have a green arm. (laughs) I mean, I've never seen ladies that can make stuff grow like they. Now, I have a gift. My gift is killing that which grows. (laughs) Now, I'm being a little facetious. That's not my gift. It is their gift. Uh, And by the way, they're using their gift to make the house of God look better when you pull in. There's no way I can mention all the names tonight, but Miss Tammy has a gift. Miss Gay has a gift. Michael played that beautiful special tonight. Michael and so many others in our church have a gift of playing an instrument, a piano, a keyboard, a guitar, uh, a bass guitar, a fiddle, or whatever the case may be. That's not my gift. Are y'all with me? I'm telling you, if I, I'm not going to do it. I, I thought about doing it tonight. I was going to go over here and play something on the piano, but it would not be a blessing to you. It's just going to sound like a bunch of banging. Because that's not my gift. This is what I'm saying, church. You find the area where God has gifted you and just get in there and let God use you and be dedicated and determined to grow in that ministry and abound in that ministry. And I'm done tonight. Hey, listen, this is my message. Just get in here and serve and don't allow yourself to become distracted by the unimportant things. Man, I had never heard this story before. It was 1917 in Russia. The bishops of the Orthodox Church were having a meeting, a big meeting. <clears throat> and the word was <clears throat> is that this meeting was very confrontational. In fact, they, call it, they called it a very heated debate. Those bishops were fussing over some things at this meeting and just could not see eye to eye and were just at each other's throats. and I mean, it just got really, really unchristlike and really got out of sorts. You know what's really interesting about that story? 1917, the same night that the bishops of the Orthodox Church were meeting just down the street a group called the Bolsheviks were meeting on the same night and they were plotting how they could overthrow the Tsar of Russia and how they could plant a communistic government in Russia, which by the way, they succeeded at. And Russia has never been the same. And by the way, for that matter, the world has never been the same since then. And you say, Preacher, point. Here's my point. At a time when a country needed the church most, they were fussing over unimportant things. Would you like to know what the bishops of the Orthodox Church were fussing over? Whether the candles they used in the services should be 18 inches or 22. And while they fussed, about several inches of a candle, the world is going to hell. And truth of the matter is, all over America, the churches, churches are fussing and trying to get over in somebody else's business while the world's going to hell. And what we need are some people who just say, you know what, I think God's gifted me in this area, and I'm just gonna get in there. And it don't seem like much to some, but Man, I'm just going to get in there and serve and let God use me. And if God wants to take me to a greater level, he can. If he doesn't, I'll just keep serving right there and be faithful. And so whatever you do, stay faithful to your roots tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time we've had together tonight. God, I pray that you would work in somebody's heart tonight and show them, Lord, exactly what you want them to do. Father, show them where you want them to serve. And, Father, help them to be faithful in that area. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will use them. And, Lord, just as sure as we're here tonight, you're using someone in some area. And the devil has come and the devil has said, that's not a big deal. That doesn't mean a lot. But, Father, would you help them to realize that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And, Lord, you have given them that gift And I pray that we will determine as God's people to use our gifts, however big they may seem or small they may seem. I pray that we we will use them faithfully for the glory of our Savior. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand tonight all over the house? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Has God given you a gift tonight? You say, Pastor... I don't know what my gift is. Well, I'll tell you what I I would think about doing. I would think about just tiptoeing down to an old fashioned altar tonight and saying, Lord, would you show me what my gift is? Lord, would you show me where to get plugged in? We're gonna have that ministry expo in a few weeks and Lord, would you show me where you want me to serve? What you want me to do? If you're here tonight and that's you, Listen, I'm going to invite you to come just for a moment. Just come and find your place in an old-fashioned altar. You're here tonight and say, Pastor, I believe I know what my gift is and I'm using it. I'm using it. But boy, I want God to use me in a greater way. Amen. Why don't you just come tonight and just breathe a prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, would you take me to a new level of effectiveness? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Lord help me would you use me in a greater way Father I'm so glad for how you're using me but Lord would you use me in a greater way God can, could I could I lead some other folks to Jesus what about it tonight what about it would you come if you're here tonight you say Pastor I'm not saved I want you to come tonight And we'd like to show you how to get saved this evening. You're here tonight and say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. If that's you, why don't you slip out right now? Just come on, right now. Would you come? We're not going to prolong this invitation. I know, church, that I have went over tonight. I I do understand that. And we're not going to prolong this invitation. But in the quietness of the moment, if God is speaking, would you slip out right now and come and find your place tonight?